Thanks for joining us on Joy Church Podcast. Our Sunday services are held at 1030 a.m. at 4120 Highway 50A in Fernley, Nevada. To stay up to date with what's going on at Joy Church, check out our website at www.joychurch.life. The following message is presented by our senior leader, John Poundstone. You see that hand? Well, duh, who doesn't? I mean, yeah, there, 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 there's a hand up there. That may, I'd like for you to allow that to represent you this morning. We're not going to talk about money. That's not what I'm going to ask you to put in that hand. I'm going to ask you to put something else in that hand as the message goes along. So that's why I put a picture of a hand up there. Now, back in the day, I remember that lots of people, I don't remember if this came up in the Jesus Revolution or not, but there was those wristbands, the WWJD. Remember that? Remember all that? And it, it lasted for years and years and it's still around. What'd that stand for? What would Jesus do? And what was the purpose of it? So we would stop and think before we acted. Right. What would Jesus do? So we would try to kind of what? Put our, make a, shift our minds and try to somehow secondhand try to imitate or emulate Jesus. Is that pretty accurate? Okay. I'd like to rethink that this morning. I'd like to rethink that. And here's where this is coming from. We believe strongly in the, what the Bible says, that the foundation of the church is on the apostles and the prophets, Jesus being the chief cornerstone. And so every year we go hard after an apostolic slash prophetic direction for the coming year. And for 2023, our theme word, the backdrop, if, if your life is a stage, the backdrop is become, become, become who he made you to be in the first place. Become whatever the Holy Spirit is directing you to become. That's the backdrop. But the action words were three. The first one was is, follow. The second one is pray. And the third one is speak. Speak. Everything is created four times. An important step in that is the word speak, because until it's spoken, it doesn't become real. But I've been going back to follow several times. Another of the prophetic directions we have this year is that God is lovingly, lovingly, not harshly, no longer waiting around for his fans. He's instead seeking his followers because he's ready to do some big things and he wants his church back and he knows what he can do with committed, surrendered followers, disciples. And so I'm, I'm kind of getting a little long in the tooth. That's an old expression with, that old people know because it means you're getting old. And, and I've discovered that I am one of those people who are, and I learned some things about following Christ that I really wish I would have known much earlier. Really, I wish somebody would have really loved me enough to to share these kinds of things with you. And so I think at the end of the day, it's a whole lot more loving to, yes, stand up here and say, follow, become a follower, not just a fan. 
it's a whole lot more loving to say, and here are some inside tips that somebody who's long in the tooth can give you that can really help you streamline that process. Because it's God's intention to take us the direct route. Our intentions tend to take us onto the scenic route. He still loves us through the scenic route, but he would love to have us just go his route. Did that make sense? Here's a, This is the seventh message along this line I have done. They're all on the JC family, uh, not connection page, the, our website, joychurch.life. And so the sixth one I brought was one of my big, big, big things I learned, but I really wish I would have learned it much earlier in a deep way. It's a thing called, it's not about me. It's just not about me. It's just really not about me. Everything in, the, in a surrendered life, in a disciple's life, it's just not about me. And I brought a message that talked about the th- patterning ourselves after Jesus. He made it all about three things. He made it about his father. He made it about how to avoid the traps of life, how to navigate difficult situations. There instance after instance. And the third thing was, how do we treat one another? How do we... That it's, if it's not about me, what is it about? And those were the three things that you can find in the words and the actions of Jesus. So I encourage you to go listen to part one of It's Not About Me. This is part two. Things I wish I would have known sooner. If It's Not About Me part one was about focusing on Christ, including how he did stuff, if it's, because it never was about him. It was always about his father. It was always about navigating difficult situations, coming out with the third alternative, win-win. And it was always about putting others equal to him or more important. He never focused on himself, not one time. Never self-defended, never self-protected, so forth. This morning, the hand. This morning, here's the second, another wonderful aspect of it's not about me. This is... This is the other side of the same coin. Proactively letting him take care. Have you ever been in a storm? I mean a circumstantial storm, a situational storm, an economic storm, a relational storm, a a storm as a result of some incredibly, I'm going to talk about me, some incredibly stupid or bad choices that resulted in a storm? Or have you ever had significant challenges in your life? Have you ever had a problem? Anybody know anybody? Maybe the person in the mirror, but does anybody know anybody who has a pretty big problem right now or challenge? Raise your hands if you do. Could be economic, could be health, could be you name it. Storms and challenges and tough times and awful times and mistakes and regrets and more. It's it's not going to be about what would Jesus do. We're going to change that other W to what will Jesus do. What will Jesus do? <laughs> when Jesus was in a storm, you all know this scripture. I think it's in Mark 4 or somewhere in the New Testament. They were in a storm, weren't they? On the sea. And what, what, where was Jesus in the storm? <laughs> What would Jesus do? What will Jesus do? He slept. He 
The other things he did is he sought out his counterparts when he was in the Garden of Gethsemane. I can't do this alone. Look, he's fully God and fully man. If anybody could do it on his own, if anybody could cowboy up like where I came from in Montana, if anybody could be the Lone Ranger and get her, get it handled, it was Jesus. What did he do? He asked three guys, oh, please, please be with me and pray for me. Even Jesus needed his counterparts. He sought his Father and the Holy Spirit constantly. I, I, I tried. I tried to find one place in the, in, in the records and even in some ancient manuscripts where it says that Jesus just decided something on his own. Jesus just fixed it on his own. Jesus went for the solution on his own. I can't find it. I can't find it. It seems like every time he was in a pickle, a challenge, a tough situation, a storm, seems like he would go to his counterparts of the Trinity, Holy Spirit and the Father, every single time. So even Jesus didn't do it on his own, ever. So <laughs> I submit to you today that we have access to the same exact thing. So I'd like to once again rethink WWJD. What will Jesus do? So next I'd like to just... Mm, I'd like to invite your logic. May we see the next slide, please? God logic. And by the way, there's human logic and then there's God logic. Um, and the word logic comes from the word logos, which is a Greek word, which means expression. And in the book of John, we learned that Jesus is the logos of God. He's the source of all logic. That's God. Now, I... Ever since I was very young, the nature of my life is that I have been somehow pointed out as somebody who's supposed to manage and lead things from a very young age. I, I never seek it out. I, I never sought it out. But I'm, I've been known my whole life as somebody as a problem solver. I also am the adult child of an alcoholic family, and so I'm uber responsible. I haven't gotten rid of all of that yet. You know, I'm still the hero child to some extent, a lot less than I used to be. So, yeah, if you got an issue or if there is an issue or there's something, the first, my first natural instinct is, ooh, I better leave this, fix it, take care. I didn't acquire a spiritual father until I was almost 50 years old. My natural father died very young and I was very young. And my spiritual father and I are very close. We have been for a number of years. In fact, we're taking a trip together, just the two of us, coming up soon. I'm raised, I, I grew up, not all that far from Yellowstone Park. He's always wanted to, to see Yellowstone Park. He's, he travels the world constantly. He was in Fresno yesterday. Today he's headed for Cambodia. He's just got back. He's all over the world, but he's, he's just cannot wait to go to Yellowstone Park, him and me, just to do it. He, he, he saw my ways. Hero child, fixer, responsible person, leader, obligation. It's, it's all about me. Now, I never meant it that way. I never meant it egotistically, but that it still looks the same. So he would say things like, how's that working for you? He would say things like, you know, there is a God. He would say things like, why don't you let Jesus handle that? And then he got crazy on me. He'd say, because, man, there'd be this mess. And he'd say, why don't you go to Jesus and say, Jesus, you have a big problem here. What are you going to do about it? Hound me lovingly, sweetly, gently hound me to say Jesus, to, to, to turn to, to the Lord and King and let Jesus handle it. But I made the decision. 
But I made the mess. I was taught when I make a mess, clean that up. He would say, okay, but that's not what Jesus says. Jesus would say, you know, you're absolutely free. You're free to make as big a mess as you're capable of cleaning up. And when you make one bigger than that, come to me because we'll clean it up together. And we try to emulate that in our church culture. It's really the way that Jesus works. Now, I learned early on, because, again, I got pointed to leadership positions even when I didn't want one. My wife's similar. I could tell you stories. Anybody ever experienced this either as a boss, because you have to do things the company way, or as an employee, where they make you responsible for the outcome, and they don't give you the authority or the resources to accomplish it. But you're still nonetheless held accountable for the outcome. It is outcome dependent, yet we're not going to give you the tools or the authority to do it. Set you up for success. That is not a kingdom dynamic. The kingdom dynamic is, I have every tool that you will ever need. I have all the resources that you'll ever need. I have all the knowledge and the skills that you'll ever need. And I have all the authority and power you will ever need. And you know what else? You're not responsible for the outcome. I am. <laughs> it's absolutely the truth. Your God is that good. And it takes a minute to flip your mind. You do need to be reminded, in my case, constantly. I'm not kidding you. This is the way it works. This is the way it works. This is a kingdom dynamic. Now, you better be able to scripturally justify this, Pastor. Ready? Deuteronomy 31.6, Be strong and courageous. Do not fear or be in dread of them, for it is the Lord your God who goes with you. He will not leave you or forsake you. This is thousands of years before Jesus. Psalm 55.22-23, So here's what I've learned through it all. Leave all your cares and anxieties at the feet of the Lord, and measureless grace will strengthen you. He will watch over you over his lovers, that's you, never letting them slip or be overthrown. He will send all my enemies to the pit of destruction. Murderers, liars, and betrayers will face an untimely death. My life's hope and trust is in you, and you'll never fail to rescue me. I could go home right now. 700 years before Christ, Isaiah chapter 41, verse 10, Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Three verses later, same book, Isaiah. For I, the Lord your God, will hold you Hold your right hand. It is I who say to you, fear not. I am the one who helps you. Hebrews 4, 14 through 16. So then we must cling in faith to all we know to be true. For we have a magnificent king, priest, Jesus Christ, the Son of God, who rose into the heavenly realm for us and now stands humanity for as that transcends human understanding will make the answers known to you through Jesus Christ. I can't even begin to tell you how many times this happens in my life. I don't see a way through it. There is no answer. Oh yeah, there is. Where'd that come from? Try this. That doesn't seem right. That seems goofy. Okay, do it anyway. It works. Matthew 6, 33, 34, Jesus speaking. This is why he told us this. So above all, constantly chase after the realm of God's kingdom and the righteousness that proceeds from him. Then all these less important things will be given to you abundantly. Refuse to worry about tomorrow, but deal with each challenge that comes your way one day at a time. Tomorrow will take care itself of itself. But here's, here's the crowning one. Holy Spirit, please penetrate each person in this room. Ephesians chapter 1, verses 20b through 23. God raised Christ from the dead and exalted him to the place of highest honor and supreme authority 
in the heavenly realm. And now, Jesus is exalted as first above every ruler, authority, government, and realm of power in existence. He is gloriously enthroned over every name that is ever praised, not only in this age, but in the age that is coming. And here is the verse. There's the context. Here's the verse. And he alone, Jesus, is the leader and source of everything needed in the church. That's you. Everything. God has put everything beneath the authority of Jesus Christ and given him the highest rank above all others. And now we, his church, are his body on earth, and that which fills him, we are who fills him. (gasps) Who is being filled by it. The whole John 17 relationship. Abiding, abiding, back and forth. Us in him, him in us. Him in the Father, the Father in him. It's absolute beauty. So what do you think? Have I proven my hypothesis? If he, if, 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 um, then, why in the world, why in heaven's name, not also let him be the Lord of my issues, my problems, my fears, my concerns, my anxieties, my conundrums, my foibles, my shortcomings, my solutions, my recoveries, and my victories. <gasps> my outcomes, my, my, my plans, my solutions, and my outcomes. He, he can't wait to be Lord of it all. It's just not about me. Any of it. Don't keep it to yourself. I, I have learned across my long life that I'm not really all that good at it. Oh, people think I am. I'm not. When I could have heaven's best. All right, let's wrap this up. Slide The next slide, please, Alexandria. I'm not going to leave you just hanging. Call to action number one, gain insight. Talk to your friends. Talk to your spouse. Talk to your Holy Spirit. Talk to the Holy Spirit. Where am I at? Where do I stand today? Because if I don't know where I am, how in the world do I pick out the path to where I need to go? How am I doing so far? So gain some insight. And I think this slide does a pretty good job of doing some self-analysis. When we post this message to the website, the slides will be up there. You can come back and visit this, or you can take pictures of it now. How often and how much do we notice? Not just myself, but my spouse, my friends, the Holy Spirit. These things popping up in my life, because the more they pop up, the more it indicates that I have not handed my outcomes and my plans to Jesus. Does that make sense? And this is just, where did I get this list? I just looked back at my life. This is not some from some deep study. This is just like, well, I look kind of at the arc of my life. And your list would be a little different. As a result of my conditioning and my upbringing, that one that says FOBRUM, you've all heard of FOMO, fear of missing out. There's lots of fears of. And that's one that, you know, I really dislike being rejected. I really find being mocked hard. And if that's popping up all the time, well, maybe I'm not sleeping in the boat. Maybe I'm awake and fretting and stewing. Beware of competition and comparison. Ask ourselves daily, but oh, that's not the most trustworthy source the Holy Spirit is, and so are people who truly love you. So there's your call to action number one. Let's go to numbers two through five. Next slide, please. This is, this is, this is what worked for me and will work for you. And all of this is biblically based. 
Repeat these things across time and this will begin to work for you where you can help, you can help Jesus help you to help him be the Lord of your life in challenges, problems, and outcomes. I cannot stress enough that second to the last point. Psalm 139. Meditate on that. Lots of times in the next month. Psalm 46 and Psalm 23. If you really, really, really want to engage in this, and mostly spend time in John chapter 15. Several translations. Because the key to all of this is that he is the, the father is the vine dresser. He's the one who keeps the vineyard in great shape. Jesus is the vine. I'm a branch. All I've got to do is hang out. A branch does nothing. A branch conducts all the goodness that makes the leaves and makes the fruit. A branch just needs to hook up and stay hooked up. And the more you're hooked up, the longer you are. Guess what? The bigger the branch gets and the more the good juicy stuff flows through you. My job, your job, is to be a branch. Spend some time in those scriptures, please. And these other things, work, work. What are balcony people? Those are those people, this is, I stole this, didn't steal it. I borrowed it from a book that was written long ago. You have people in your life who are in your balcony. No matter what's going on, no matter how bad you messed up, they cheer for you and they won't quit. Now, are they going to get down in your mess with you? Probably not, but they'll at least be there. You can hear them, know that they're around you cheering. And then there's the basement people, right? They're the ones that say, well, you coulda, you shoulda. Well, I mean, if you woulda. Or they're the ones that say, hmm, that's a little too filthy for me, That's a, or that's a little too, hmm, a little ugly, or, ooh, that person doesn't like you anymore, so I can't like you anymore, so I better walk away. Those are your basement people. Bible tells us in throughout Proverbs that you know who your friends are when the stuff hits the fan. Balcony people are the ones who might even get a little of the stuff on them and they're still with you. Okay? Run with those people. Run with those who... That's two through five. Here's call to action number six. Next slide, please. What will Jesus do? You only know to the extent that you surrender. To the extent that you let him, he will show you. So in your own way, in your own time, at your own pace, repeatedly, I have had to do this over and over and over. And sometimes when I get a little too much head of my own steam, I have to do it in the moment again, even though I did it 10 minutes ago. Oh, yeah, it's not about me. Oh, yeah, it's not about me. I surrender. It's all yours, Jesus. Jesus. And I hear the voice of my spiritual dad going, how's that working for you? I hear his voice going, Oh, go ahead, just push him off the throne, and you do it yourself. Yeah, that's good. Well, elbow, elbow him, elbow the king and lord off the throne so that you can solve this, because you're better at it than he is. Well, I think that's idolatry, but Larry never said that. He just said, how's that? He just said, wow, Jesus, we sure got a big mess here. What are you going to do about it? How do, how, do, how do I help you? Yeah, I know I created it, but you want to fix it. What are you going to do about it? How do I help? It's a we thing. That's the voice I hear now. I surrender. I choose. I yield. Yeah. Even even the, my weaknesses, even my humanness. I'm just going to take you back to the Bible. That's a pretty good place to take you back to. Last three slides, and we're out of here on time. 
Next slide, please, Alexandria. Jesus tells us, and all I did was change the verses to first person. His, his, Jesus said, if you truly want to follow me, I just said, let's just own it. Let's just own it. If I truly want to follow Jesus, I should at once completely reject and disown my own life. And then in the brackets is John speak, John words, including my own failings, my own faults, cares, concerns, anxiousness, and answers. And I must be willing to share his cross and experience it as my own, as I surrender continually to his ways. That's verse 24. Pretty powerful, right? Go ahead. Pretty powerful. Raise your hand. Yeah. What's the next verse say? Next slide, please. For if I choose self-sacrifice and lose my life for his glory, I will continually discover true life and great answers and good solutions and peace and joy. But if I choose to keep my life for myself, including my issues and my challenges, I will forfeit his solutions and his best. For even if I were to be the smartest cat in town with the best solutions, all that and seven bags of chips, gain it all, all the great on my own thinking and solutions, wealth and power of this world with everything it could offer me, no more mocking, derision, rejection. No more, oh man, if I mess this up, it's going to go so horrible. Oh man, what are they going to think of me? Oh man, I'm so, how did I get myself here? That was the dumbest thing. Oh man, they're going to hate me. I know I'm going to rehearse all the outcomes. I'm going to rehearse all the stuff that's going to go bad. I'm going to what if it to death. Or I could just say, the one who created me, who loves me the very most, how about you fix it? How about I hand it to you? How about I not worry about anything? Oh, I want to be part of it. You bet. Because what we can do together, what you can do together with the king, stunning, miraculous, powerful, in your spheres of influence. <laughs> what good would it be for me to be all that? This is not about me. If he has your soul, it is in good hands. You have not lost it. You have gained everything. To the extent that I run my own life, my own soul is at risk. You know somebody, you know somebody who has been so convinced and so committed and so driven and so whatever, crusading, so cause-oriented, so outcome-dependent that we kind of lost them. Where'd they go? Because it's only ever about the thing. You know somebody like that, don't you? I actually know spiritual leaders like that who then crash hard, right? You see, what's, 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 what bleeds through those words is his love. You, you are, you have no idea, even though you might have a great idea, you have no idea the depth, the height, the breadth of his love for you and how engaged he is in your life if you'll just let him. So it's not about me, it includes all my junk. He'll take care of it. He'll restore it. He'll redeem it. He'll solve it. He's with you. He'll never let you go. Can you just receive that in some measure today? Yes? As is. You don't have to change a thing, and it's true. Can you also receive the truth that at the pace that you're willing to let him, he'll change all of that? And you can have a completely different existence 
than you have today. Can you receive that? And it's all 100% His love. Then our job here is done. Thank you, Holy Spirit, and thank you for coming today. He loves you that much. We do too. Thanks again for joining us on Joy Church Podcast. We want to personally invite you to our Sunday services at 1030 a.m. held at 4120 Highway 50A in Fernley, Nevada. To find out more about the Joy Life, be sure to visit www.joychurch.life. See you Sunday.